You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, bringing you daily Timberwolves content here, Colt Molesky. We have gotten into full swing here for the offseason. We have been talking lots of draft stuff over the last couple of weeks. Now we're going to get into more off-season conversations. Uh, again, I know that the finals are going on. We'll get to some of that tomorrow. But today I was on with Brian Zillman of the Blue Hardwood podcast, and we were talking about the off-season, talking about trades for the Timberwolves, talking about the Timberwolves off-season, talking about the upcoming draft. We did a two-part podcast, a little bit of the next segment is going to be dedicated to the NBA's finals, but most of this is just going to be talking about the Timberwolves and talking about the, the off season and what to expect from them, what you're hope what we're hoping for, what I I'm hoping for, what I think they might do, the moves they might make. That's all in this podcast. So I, I hope you're li- I hope you enjoy this and thank you so much for tuning in. Alright, here you go. Part one of the crossover pod with Har- uh, Blue Hardwood and Brian Zillman. Hello. All right, today on our Hardwood Hotline, I'm joined by not only King of the Swindle, I believe he also goes by King of the North as well. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'd like to introduce Colt Molesky. Colt, what's going on, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I believe that the, the Warriors swindled me out of my parlay that I had the Cavs in last night, but uh, usually I like <laughs> to do the swindling. Uh, it doesn't always work out for me, though. The spread on last game, game was minus four, was it? Yeah, and I the money line with the the Cavaliers, and I parlayed it with a bunch of baseball bets. And for the first time ever, all the baseball bets won, and the basketball bet is the one that didn't come through with me. Oh, man. I didn't know you were a uh, person who bets on baseball. You know what? When the summer rolls around and, and the lean times of uh, of July and August are approaching, you got to get into baseball form. <laughs> or you just... I have a problem and you're not afraid if you're afraid to admit it so far <laughs> one of those two things is true and we're not going to talk about it okay fair enough fair enough <laughs> this is not a psychiatric uh time we're here to talk hoops but um man all, cold it's awesome for you to jump on today um generally when i have somebody on we like to pull back the curtain just get to know the uh, guests a little bit so if you can just uh provide your story a little bit and just uh let everybody know how you got into covering the wolves and got into the business well, I started out uh, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed sophomore in college just uh, three years ago the, at MSU down in Mankato where I went to school. They threw me into some Division One hockey play-by-play right away. Uh, no experience or anything like that, so kind of a trial-by-fire. Did that for a couple of years, and my second year into that, I started uh, writing for SB Nation, who I still write for and actually manage uh, the Rule of Tree site for them right now but I started writing started really enjoying sports uh, journalism and broadcasting and then uh, after a couple of years I got uh, in contact with a, a place called zonecoverage.com that's based out of Minneapolis and they actually introduced me to David Locke who I uh, heard about that I was going to start doing podcasting and covering Timberwolves with them and he let me start hosting the Lockdown Wolves show because they needed a new host just about the time I joined up with Zone Coverage last summer. And so I started doing the show right about the time the, the draft started up for the Timberwolves. And 
I've been doing it ever since. So actually, I'm pretty close to one year with uh, the Lockdown Podcast Network. Really glad that they gave me a, an opportunity because I've really enjoyed doing the the podcasting and really enjoyed covering the Timberwolves for them for the last year. And hopefully, we have a, a great second year now that I'm under I'm under contract with them for the next year. So hopefully, we make it a great second year. Absolutely. I guess you must be pretty. Uh, you must be good luck because they blo- they broke the playoff streak this year. <laughs> Hope, hopefully that they they can build on this luck with me then. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, man, I wanted to just touch base a little bit. Uh, obviously, this is a Mavericks-based podcast, but I definitely wanted to get some insight overall real quick on the Minnesota Timberwolves season. So, out of the gate, well, I guess we need to start where you actually started last year. So, they start the year with a bang, the huge Jimmy Butler trade. Um, what what was your initial thought about that? Were you excited? Did you think they gave up too much? Initially, I thought that was probably the uh, the steal of the last couple of years. One of the biggest uh, one of the biggest heist jobs since uh, somebody decided to pr- pay Brock Osweiler way too much money down in Houston. Uh, after after looking at it for a little bit, I think that it's probably a little more even than most people will give it credit for. When you look back on it five years from now, I think that Zach Levine is going to be a, an electric offensive player if he can stay healthy. And I think Chris Dunn, when, now that he's in that lead point guard spot, I think he'll actually turn out to be a pretty solid point guard. Uh, probably never a really a, a huge all-star kind of piece, but I think that his defense and the playmaking he does for offensive pieces around him, like a Zach Levine, will end up being a really good fit for the Bulls and what they were needing at point guard. Uh, so I don't think it was necessarily as lopsided as maybe we all thought it was right out the gate. But I still think that this was probably one of the best trades the Timberwolves have had in, in their franchise. And I'm um, including stuff like uh, the, the trade that brought in Andrew Wiggins. I think this is probably one of the better trades just because if you're looking at Jimmy Butler, I would consider him a blue chip piece, namely one of those guys that can come in, change the culture of a franchise, not only on the court, but off of it, and is going to be the centerpiece of your team uh, through every contract that he signs with your team. Did you have questions regarding the front office on how easily they were able to just give up on Chris Dunn after just one year and not even really playing that much? Not really, just because you did have Tyus Jones in there. And at the time, they still had Ricky Rubio. So you had a few point guards, and you kind of knew after last year that Tyus Jones seemed to be the guy they were going to roll with. Uh, Just with the stuff Tibbs was saying uh, about Tyus Jones, I I think he liked Chris Dunn in the draft. And and I think that when you're with a a Tibbs team, you've got to be able to prove yourself in those little minutes. And so he's not expecting a guy – to get 18 minutes a game and show himself that way. He's expecting you to do it with the, the 11 minutes you get off the bench. And that might not necessarily be fair, but that's the way that you've got to prove yourself. And that's that's what Tyus Jones did. And I think he did uh, some of that this year. I think that there's some things that he either needs to work on or like I talked about yesterday on the, the Prospect Wednesday podcast that I have every week uh, talking about Aaron Holiday. There's some guys that maybe could replace him in this draft, but... I think over the last couple of years, Tyus Jones at least proved that he can he can make somewhat of a difference coming in in only like 11 or 13. That Chris Dunn is one of those guys that can do that. Right. No, I, th- I feel like Tyus Jones definitely is coming along this year for sure. But especially when the Wolves started the season. So they started this season a little slow out the gate. I mean, obviously with a lot of new pieces in between 
adding Jeff Teague, Jamal Crawford, um, adding Jimmy Butler. So you knew it was going to take some time for all those pieces to get acclimated, especially with Tibbs' system. So they actually start to uh, start the season two and three. But I feel like the I guess you can see uh, the starting uh, point of their season actually started uh, their sixth game of the year uh, when Wiggins actually uh, drained that buzzer beater that was about half court, which I saw that live, and that was actually pretty cool. Because right after that, they went on a 20-11 and 11 run, which was you know awesome because throughout the year they were definitely in contention for a t- top seed. And then, unfortunately, February 27th happened, and that was the date Butler went out. Uh, and then you guys went on a really bad run, and Butler came back on April 7th. And then through that stretch when Jimmy Butler was out, um, you guys went 6-9. and nine. And then, you know, they, they won the last, I believe, three games and then won the playoff game, winner-go-home game versus Denver. Um, and then uh, you had the gentleman sweep versus Houston. So overall for you, as far as the ups and downs, how, how would you grade the Minnesota Timberwolves season overall this year? I uh, may be more generous than people would think, but this is the first time in in 13th season that this team has made the playoffs. And so I think you have to take that into account. I think like you're saying, a lot of moving pieces you have to take into account. I, I thought that only about a month and a half of growing pains before they hit that December stride. That was really impressive. December and early January where they were beating just about everybody. Uh, I think that that was probably one of the more impressive runs that the Timberwolves have had since Kevin Garnett has been on the on the team. And I think that while you would like to see a team with an all-star on the roster like Towns, even though Jimmy Butler is out, you'd like to see that team around him maybe do a little better than they did. Jimmy Butler still is everything to this team, both on offense and defense. I think a lot of stuff runs through him on offense, and he does a lot for their offense. And then on defense, I really don't think that they can operate the defense that they're trying to operate without Jimmy Butler on the court. And they they try and run uh, very minimal switches, and they're going to try and and shut down the best guy and then force other players around him to, to play really well because they don't have a bunch of great defenders. And so Jimmy Butler is the guy that keeps them in contention in games because he's able to shut down a number one scorer on the other team and he's able to play with him through screens and battle battle with him through a bunch of picks and everything like that and, and stay on a number one guy and then their defense plays well off of that. So when Jimmy Butler's out, I know that uh, you see other teams like Boston play well with Kyrie out. The Timberwolves aren't that kind of team. They need their stud in there every single game to be successful. And you saw that very clearly this year. And so you just hope going into next year that Jimmy Butler just stays healthy. And you, you see with the, the routine he has in the offseason, the way he preps for each year, that if there's anybody who's going to come back better and going to come back in, in better shape and his body is going to be in a better place, it's going to be either LeBron James or Jimmy Butler. Now, moving forward uh, with the young pieces Minnesota has, do you feel Thibodeau could be is the right coach for this squad? Um, Because I'm sure you you saw this on a regular basis. I believe there was an article that dropped around January uh, showing Thibodeau had the highest usage minutes wise of his roster. Where you know Todd gets and you know he's a good uh, I forget he's a good thirty almost 33, 34, playing almost 38 minutes a game. Um, you know, he has a bad habit of, you know, 
running his players to the ground. Uh, ask Joe Kenno about that and see how he's doing nowadays. Not, not very well. <laughs> Do you feel um, Thibodeau's style is the right coach for this team going forward if they want to, if they have aspirations of, you know, making the finals one day or even making the Western Conference finals? That that is the the multi million dollar question, isn't it? Is can Tibbs show more flexibility and learn from some of the mistakes of last year? Uh, definitely, one of the biggest knocks on the on the way he handled this team would be just in that first month uh, or, or first month and a half, September, November, when or October, November. Excuse me, when you're looking at this team and you're really trying to figure out how they're gonna coagulate together and you have Butler taking a little bit of a step back and letting these guys kind of grow together and not really taking over the offense in full force until December and letting everything gel. That's when you really wanted to see Tibbs go to maybe even an eight or nine man lineup and just really see what you have on the bench, really see all the different kinds of variations you can have on the court, really play with a bunch of different lineups. And he just never did that. And so when Teague went out, you didn't know really what you had at point guard with Tyus Jones, how he was going to play with the starters, because he never really got too much time with the starters, even though he played well with Towns and Wiggins last year. Now he's got to play with Taj Gibson and with Jimmy Butler as well. He just, it was a little bit of a question mark there. Turned out okay eventually, but that was a question mark that really didn't need to be a question mark. At the end of the year, you had Derrick Rose join the team, and you, ha- you could have had some really fun lineups with multiple point guards on the floor, really spread the floor, really maybe pick up the pace for a quarter or two in some of those games finishing out. But you never really saw that because you didn't know how Tyus Jones and Jeff Teague and Jamal Crawford would play together because those guys never played together. It's that kind of stuff that you need in the playoffs because versatile teams are the ones that are going to win. You see the Warriors do it in the series against the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've played small ball all playoffs, and they were able, because they have that kind of versatility in their lives and because their coach actually tests out that versatility in the regular season, they're able to throw JaVale McGee in there and go a little bigger to play bigger with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. And it's worked out really well for them. And JaVale McGee's had two double-digit scoring games over the last couple of wins for them. And that's the difference between really good teams and good teams. Or not only the personnel they have and the plays they run with their really good players, but it's the plays that they have in place for their entire roster. And so you need to see that more from Tibbs, especially now with guys like Justin Patton who are going to be healthy this year. You want to see what you have in that young guy who should be a pretty good talent. And you want to see with this 20th pick, they can get a really good 2-3 hybrid guy with this 20th pick. Don't sleep on this pick. This could be a real contributor off the bench for them at number 20, especially in this draft, how deep it is at shooting guard. So you need to see them play those young guys early just to see what you have for December, for February, for March. And I think that if you don't see that early, it's going to be a real problem for this team later in the season. Right. Now, as far as anything going on in the offseason, there's there's already been some scuttlebutt coming out that apparently – Carl Anthony Towns is not happy. Uh, I don't know if it's directly with management, Tibbs. Um, is that anywhere to be concerned if you're a Wolves fan? I don't think so, only because in my mind, you get rid of Tibbs, of really anybody else but Jimmy Butler before you get rid of Towns, right? I right. mean, you don't you don't trade the $100 bill for the $1 bill. And I know that sounds maybe a little harsh, especially with 
uh, Tibbs' pe- pedigree and his resume, but Towns is the future of this team, just plain and simple. He's going to be uh, a multi-time All-Star. He's going to be going to the game, All-Star game, multiple times throughout the rest of his career. You, you keep him on the roster, especially especially with how well he pairs with your other all-star player in Jimmy Butler. It's not like they have two dominant centers and Towns is ever going to be on the table. I mean, they have their their shooting guard who plays point guard as well, and they have their center. Now you just grab, uh, I think you just grab perimeter wing players and, and guys that can fit around these two players. You definitely right. don't choose the coach over the player because uh, – even if Tibbs is a great head coach, he's probably only going to be with them for the next couple of seasons. Towns, you're hoping he's there for the next six years. Right. Yeah, and I actually had a chance to really look up and down Minnesota's roster, and it's very – the roster construction, very tricky, interesting, just because their entire roster can, is uh, constructed of – essentially five guys making their entire salary cap, which makes it obviously impossible for you guys to maneuver or, you know, make any trade improvements for sure. That's why you guys almost have to think outside the box and hope, uh, you know, people like Patton, and then you guys can actually land somebody in that 20th pick overall. Um, I did actually have an opportunity to actually look at some different scenarios. And then at, you know, this part of the segment where, you know, we're both going to play GM at this point. So um, I'm calling you on the phone, and, I, you know, you called it out perfectly. You know, you, you guys aren't going to get rid of Cat. You guys aren't going to uh, get rid of Butler. Uh, you know, obviously, if anybody's going to go, it's going to be uh, Tibbs. But what if there's a way you guys could actually not necessarily, um, I, w- I want to say blow everything up, but retool on the fly, I would say. So the play I'm looking at right now, Colt, so – We've got Mr. Andrew Wiggins to sign mm-hmm. a big, big, big fat contract. And I think um, in articles and pods before, I think you were definitely adamant for the extension, but now you're kind of just like, you're kind of in the middle right now on that, right? Boy, this has been probably, I, I don't know what's been the bigger transformation for me. Either coming to terms with the fact that Derrick Rose actually has helped this team, or right. the fact that I. Uh, that Andrew Wiggins has it. You know what? I'm I'm gonna chalk this up to just me just really believing in a guy I believe with in, in college and really believing in a guy that I thought could actually be a really key piece on the roster. I they I admitted that they might have jumped the gun on the Andrew Wiggins deal when it happened, but it, it seemed to make sense just because they seemed to it seemed to be the move they almost had to make. And right. I really thought that Wiggins could play into this contract and earn the contract and Boy, was I wrong. Holy crap. Man, this is, this is really looking worse and worse for the Timberwolves every single day as they get deeper and deeper into this contract. And so now that you're stuck, you're stuck with your first, your highest paid guy as Andrew Wiggins, whose every single offensive number he had from last year has dropped significantly this, this last season. And he's right. getting paid $154 million. And then your second highest paid guy, Gorgie Jang, $62 million. I don't know how, what world we're living in where these two guys are the highest paid guys on a roster with Butler and Towns, but it's not looking good for the cap situation for the Timberwolves. Well, that's what, I, that's what I'm here for, Cole. I'm actually here to propose a way for you to actually free up and get out of salary cap hell if you're interested. I am very so, interested. 
Okay, so on the table, uh, we've got Andrew Wiggins, who's make. So his crazy contract goes in effect effectively immediately next year, or I think it starts around. I want to say twenty million. Does that sound about right? Twenty five, actually. Twenty five. Okay, so that's when it actually starts getting crazy. So it hasn't gone into effect yet. You also got Taj Gibson, who's also making fourteen million dollars next year. Mm-hmm. So, I would like to offer you one expiring deal of Wes Matthews and two years and $18 million of Dwight Powell. Are you interested? Are there any picks attached to this? Um, well, the fifth could be on the table, but I, if I'm swapping you fifth for 20th, I also need your second round as well. I would definitely throw in my second round. If I'm getting the fifth pick, uh, and cap, caps, now I'm getting my cap space. I would take uh, the fifth pick for my 20th and my second round pick. Right. Now, I, I know any fellow Mavs listeners out there are asking, what are you, what are you doing? Me, you know, hey, we're, we're looking things at a Maverick, you know, Maverick's point of view, trying to get better because, mm-hmm. you know, we suck right now. And I look <laughs> at a player like Wiggins. He's he's uh, under contract. He's not even 24 years old. He had a down year this year. But I also look at it. Maybe he just needs to. He needs to change the scenery. Maybe he just him and Tibbs don't get along. I see him uh, playing. You know, a natural two paired with Dennis Smith. I love that. And I having him and Harrison Barnes uh, almost kind of center our anchor the defense. I, I like that idea. There too, you think he might actually be the the second option because you saw him complain about that throughout the season where he didn't like being the third option, he didn't like being the third choice. Realistically, at the end of the season, he might have actually been the fourth choice too. Oh, sure, uh, absolutely. And so on a on a roster like the Mavericks, you might actually see him flourish because he's kind of playing into that second role now again, and that might be where he really finds his stride again. Yeah, absolutely, especially the type of uh, point guard Dennis Smith is starting to develop in. Not saying Teak is not a good penetrator, but obviously, you know, Smith is so fast, and then as he improves, he's just going to just continue to cut up the paint, and then maybe that'll provide the opportunity for some more open jumpers in the corner for Wiggins, so that way he can get his perimeter game more comfortable. And then uh, since we don't really have, you know, a – second tier face or even you know a true all-star right now i mean that that's for him to take if he wants it and i'm i'm more comfortable taking andrew wiggins than i would let's say a michael porter yeah i would i would agree with that 100 percent. and if they're in the fifth pick i would take uh mikhail bridges at a villanova instead of anybody like a porter or somebody I, I agree. Honestly, I'm looking for perimeter defense and three-point shooting. The Timberwolves finished 30th in the NBA. That's dead last in attempted threes and made threes with 22.5 attempted threes and only eight made threes per game. And they finished 19th with a 35.7% three-point shooting percentage throughout the regular season. So it's been a theme throughout the, the prospect Wednesday shows I've been doing the last couple of weeks, but – Every week when I'm looking at prospects and I'm looking at who really fits in for the Timberwolves and who can make an impact for them, it's guys like uh, Chandler Hudson uh, from Boise State. you got guys like Troy Brown from Oregon, 
uh, from Miami, Lonnie Walker. These guys are really great catch-and-shoot players. They can shoot three point, the three-point ball. They're really comfortable taking a lot of three-point shots. And they can also play some perimeter defense. They're long guys who can stay out on the perimeter and are comfortable defending there. Uh, these are the guys that the Timberwolves need. So if I can get one of those guys in this draft to kind of come off the bench, and then you have Justin Patton, who's also going to be some new young talent, that's going to be the kind of talent that helps them. And so if I'm grabbing a, a high pick uh, for a couple of players, I'm perfectly fine with that. What, why is it you think Mikel Bridges is not getting enough hype? Is it just because there's so many other bigs and then you know a few point guards people are falling in love with? Because yeah, you called everything out. He, the guy's 6'7", 210. Uh, he's polished as can be. He's a... Uh, cha- you know, a NCAA champion. I, I don't know what else you want because he's even gotten comps to, uh, you know, someone even like Kawhi on, you know, if he was going to break through the freaking ceiling. I, I just don't see why he's not at least a top five uh, player people would circle with to. I think, because, I think because, and I'm not saying this is how I think of him, but I think when some people look at him, I think they say, his he can be a contributor immediately on a roster but if i miss on him i think the high ceiling for lonnie walker is pretty close to bridges the high ceiling for a bunch of these two two three hybrid kind of guards are pretty close to maybe where bridges could end up and so with the with how many players there are kind of in that position kind of in that body type and build and mold i think there's a lot of teams who are looking at and saying we could grab a guy like this uh, five spots behind the lottery and still be okay. And there's just there's not a, a, a lot of point guards that are like a guy like Trey Young or like Colin Sexton. And so that's why those guys are getting the hype because there's less there's a less crowded aspect around the way they play and the, the prospects uh, that are like are similar to their mold of player. And so that's why I think Bridges is kind of getting Maybe not lost in the shuffle is the wrong way to put it, but just not as much recognition as I think he really – and I think both of us really think that he deserves – just talking back and forth with you, we're pretty high on Bridges, and uh, it just feels like he's getting pushed down to more of that double-digit pick role as opposed to I'd be fine with the Timberwolves if they somehow got that fifth pick. I'd be fine with them taking him fifth overall. There you go. That was segment one. With Brian, again, thank you to him and his podcast for being willing to do this fun crossover. We'll have segment two up tomorrow. Thank you again very much for listening and tuning in to another Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are Lockdown Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast.